Welcome back to another episode of the Slap the Ask Show. We're here with episode number 12, right, Jimmy? Oh, shit. Yeah, episode 12. No. This, I think this is, we've been doing it every week for three months now. Let's get to um, We have a special Saturday night episode. Jimmy, why don't you tell the folks what you're drinking? Well, this is what we call a single malt, very exclusive, high-end form of Kentucky bourbon. Uh, nice. Ezra Brooks, one of my personal favorites. Um, so not high-end, but a classic. And yeah. I'm drinking the Pride of Holland. Oh, really? The Heineken. Wow, Heineken. Premium malt lager. Looks good. Is that what they have on? What's the uh, place in the, the Netherlands in Amsterdam where people do all the drugs and have uh, the hookers there? I mean, Amsterdam. The red light district, though. That's what it is. Oh, yeah, the red light district. They probably drink a lot of hot. They probably drink a lot of Heineken in the red light district. I would assume so. Yeah. They can't drink Budweiser. I mean, that's American. So. Sure, not allowed. It's actually banned. All right. Let's, uh, let's give the people what they want. Um, Let's go over. I want Mike Benz, but Mike Benz isn't coming on the show. Yeah, <laughs> we we're trying to get our former guest to come back for another episode, but he said it would look bad if we had the same guest on twice. So, not gonna happen. I'm glad. Speaking of guests, than we, are. we have a very, very, very large guest coming up for hopefully next week's episode. So we'll keep you guys tuned for that. If you haven't seen the birdie trading episode last week, definitely check that out. Super cool guy from Hawaii. Good trader. Check it out. Um, all right. Let's, well, let's not even go into OTC right away. Let's go into crypto because crypto is finally making a comeback. Um, do you think yeah. that it was because of the conference with Elon Musk and all that? Or do you think it was just because it was so low? No one was well, really bag, carrying bags at that point. You might as well buy. Well, yeah, I think it might be like a, a combination of things. I think that the, I think it's called the B conference between Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, and Kathy Wood was definitely a nice okay. little, uh, you know, little opportunity for crypto to get pumped a bit. I loved how mm-hmm. Musk was quoted saying, I may pump, but I don't dump. So, I uh, that a while ago, too, I remember. Yeah, so I mean, he said he uh, he personally Tesla and SpaceX all own Bitcoin. Um, well, yeah, I know we knew Tesla owned a bunch of Bitcoin, but like two months ago they sold. They still hold some though. They still hold some, and the logical oh, selling, wow. according to Musk, was to uh, test like the liquidity of the markets and see how quickly you can enter and exit a position. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing about like the price of Bitcoin is. Um, a lot of the technical traders are saying the RSI like kind of reset as in it was in a point of being oversold when it dipped below 30K. Um, right. And now I think we're around 34,000 in Bitcoin in the past uh, 24 hours. So, I mean, since uh, the conference in the middle of the week, it's kind of, you know, it's gone up around 10%. So it, it's starting to bounce a little bit now. The altcoins are looking really good as well um yeah i mean i honestly like if i'm looking at my watch list right now i'll go bnb one ada doge matic bitcoin ethereum they're all up um bitcoin's only up like 1.5 from yesterday it's up like 
three from yesterday. So that like 2183. We're filming this on Saturday, July 24th. But my average in Ethereum is like 2176. And I bought like three months ago and then it went up to like almost 4,000. So oh. I probably should have sold, but I'm green now. Finally, I was down a lot. So yeah, yeah. Profits, profit. But um, one thing I find kind of interesting about this Bitcoin bounce is back in the day when people, not even back in the day, but presently, um, people talk uh, about all the tether FUD. Granted, I'm a big believer in tether FUD. But they're saying how Bitcoin really um, only increased in price so dramatically due to all the tether tokens being printed. You know, tether being a stable coin issued by both tether which is partially owned by Bitfinex. So there's like a weird, like a conglomerate of the exchanges having control of this money printer essentially to pump the price of the cryptos. Um, but this crypto uh, mini run that Bitcoin's going through uh, was not facilitated through tether pumping. So no, still no tethers have been printed in the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I just saw it in a report though that 80 million BUSD, which is the Binance stablecoin, 80 million were printed uh, over this weekend. So I guess earlier today. Um, so perhaps that might be contributing to the price increase of Bitcoin. Um, it's all kind of strange how uh, the stable coins on the exchanges affect the prices of these crypto assets. Right, because uh, it really shouldn't. It's a completely different asset class. Yeah, but I guess the idea is through the stable coins like increasing market cap the stable coins are then being used to purchase the crypto assets like bitcoin ethereum things like that and right. just that buying pressure moves stuff up so i mean it's kind of a it's strange um but it's nice to see that the market is moving up despite a uh, lack of tether printing and other big news we didn't talk about this uh, last week or i didn't even know if the news happened last week or was it on monday but uh, Circle is looking to go um, public via SPAC. Circle obviously being the issuer of USDC. All of our uh, shareholders are aware of USDC and how it's the second largest stable coin on the market right now. And uh, that's kind of big news. You know, having a stable coin issuer SPAC merge and go directly to NASDAQ. Um, it's pretty insane, honestly, it really is. Yeah, yeah, and I think it shows a lot of confidence in the space and how it's really maturing. If you read through the uh, the Circle Investor presentation, it's actually kind of fascinating. They are basically saying that their entire addressable market is the global financial system. So they put their entire addressable market as a $137 trillion market, which is insane. That's like almost too ambitious. Like there's no way they're going <laughs> to like be involved in every aspect of consumer finance or even commercial i mean it, it's like dogecoin having a 50 billion dollar market cap it's insane <laughs> yeah but like jeremy allaire the ceo of circles like confident like that stable coins will be in some will have their tentacles in every aspect of like consumer spending and consumer finance and you know just how transactions happen whether it's you using a credit card at a grocery store or buying something on amazon.com or um, you know, going to pay your freelancer on Fiverr. So he's very confident in the space and everyone's calling, you know, this part of the internet, like the, the internet of value. 
It's no longer the internet of communication. It's now the internet of exchange and value. So we'll see what happens. I'm happy to see it happen, though. I think it's a yeah. No, I think it's a bullish time to be in any sort of stable coin stocks. I think crypto is doing well right now. I'm still a big believer in that only the big coins are going to really make it long term. But I don't doesn't mean you can't make money on them. But that's just my opinion. Anyways, let's uh let's shift off of crypto. Let's go into the OTC. Something that I want to talk about that everyone's been talking about on Twitter and everywhere is the new regulations that the SEC are going to be enforcing come October, well, end of September, September 28th. Right? Yeah. So basically they're going to suspend any uh, OTC stocks that are not current at that time. So a lot of these guys are trying to play uh, some tickers that they believe will become current before the deadline. And a lot of people are trying to cut out all their stocks that are not current. So it's kind of a fine line between risk reward, what you're willing to, what you're willing to bet on and what you are just going to cut out. So well, there's some names, I mean, like CYBL, LTNC, and a few others um, that they're banking on becoming current. But a lot of people I feel like are just like, I saw like Alex DeLarge, he basically just cut all of his non-current stocks. Well, I think another thing that's happening, it's not in the SEC, but it's the brokerage. The brokerage, yeah. Well, they're doing it a month early. Yeah, they're doing it earlier. So everyone's like, oh, shit, now we got to – it's accelerating the need to get out of these yeah. things. Like I trade on Schwab, and they're, they're saying you have to uh, liquidate those positions or transfer basically by the end of August. Yeah. So, so that's – not even it's like a month that's like no time so if you're down on those stocks like you're gonna you're gonna have to take a loss which is crazy and these entities are trying to become like regulating you know like regulating i don't even know how you explain it like almost like a government like they're making the decisions before the rules even being enacted which i think is really really uncool but i guess it is what it is you know transfer another brokerage or get rid of your positions you know yeah i mean it's a it's a cruel game out there and ameritrade was the other one too yeah and schwab Uh, i think it's interesting uh, decision on their part like why as a business would they want to uh why does it matter i'm not exactly sure i really don't know what their thought process is i the only thing i could assume is these brokerage firms make money through trading volumes right so my thought is they're trying to get ahead of they're trying to get it over with as soon as possible yeah before the end of the year right they don't even want people to wait till the deadline because they just want the volume to happen now either you're in or you're out of the ticker which is cut your fat give us our commission money for trading those otcs and we'll be straight i mean it's a weird decision but i I guess it makes logical sense on the brokerage firm's part just well here's the thing yeah whatever the brokerage reasoning is behind it it's happening so deal with it right But I think long-term, it's a great, great thing for the OTC. And I don't think anyone disagrees because I would say 90% of the OTC plays that are pumped are non-current tickers, (laughs) almost all. Because those are the tickers that are triple zeros, double zeros, more often than not. So the big dogs pump them because there's the most potential upside. So now all this money is going to be consolidated into – 20% 
is what I heard. I don't know the actual numbers of how many tickers are not current. Maybe a lot of them will get current before then. Twenty percent of these tickers. So a lot of the volumes will be pouring into current stocks, which is going to help our positions, and I assume it's going to help a lot of other people's positions. Yeah, and I think it's a good way that you're putting it. Is if I go back to February, I remember a great interview that uh, Ryan Shittle had actually with Stan the Trading Man, RIP. Blessed be his name, Stan Trading Man. All right, Pete. Anyway, I feel like Finn is missing Stan right now. I'm missing Stan. <laughs> I'm missing more money too. I don't know what happened to him. He must have gotten banned. Um, That's anyway. the problem with all these guys. The people that are over the top, they end up getting banned eventually. I know. It's a damn shame. Um, anyway, though, so in this interview between uh, Ryan Shannon and Stan the Trading Man, Ryan was talking about how, like, in a perfect world, the OTC in this cleaned up fashion that the SEC is cleaning up now. The OTC could be a place where young companies go for to get their like venture funding instead of through like, you know, these private companies that get the VC funding from these the VC firms. Yeah. yeah. Where it's now the small companies can go public and have the people invest in them. I mean, that's basically the model for uh, humble through going to the TSNP. And I mean, if you bond to humble, Back then, you would have already yeah. made a shitload of money. They, they right. made okay. capital without going through a, a traditional means. I think it'll be good for retail traders. The only thing that I think it could be bad for potentially is now all the market makers are going to have a lot less diversity to spread out their uh, their shorting strategies and you know all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it'll overall be good for retail investors, but time will tell. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, and again, companies that are being sh- like if you short an OTC stock, like Jester is saying, it's like you're fucked up. Those are young companies, generally speaking, generally some are scams that are you know just trying to like establish themselves. And again, that's why uh, a traditional like startup company won't go through the OTC process because they don't want their shares to get shorted. They always want their valuations to go up so they can continue to raise more money and grow the business right. eventually. If you go through the OTC. It's easy to raise capital. You don't have to convince them to give you money. Just sell shares on the open market. But shares, yeah. you run through the risk of being short and now your share price is actually lower as time goes on. And thus, the value of your company is less despite, you know, the innovations you're doing or the, um, you know, the progress the business has actually made. But the open mm-hmm. market and everyone involved is paying less for your shares. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's pros and cons to everything, right? It's, uh, yeah. Is how it goes. I, I mean, I was talking to Bill Stocks, um, guy we had on the show for people who haven't watched this before. And he was basically saying that he, he wants to have a heavy cash position coming into the fall because he thinks there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And I don't disagree with that. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities because there's going to be less opportunities, if that makes sense. It's going to be a lot more consolidated. And I think money is going to start pouring in to the OTC to an even higher extent because people don't trust the OTC because they're always worried about scams, right? Right. Everyone is so paranoid now. Every single time someone tweets about a company, a bunch of like research and DD on the company, everyone is automatically skepticism. Everyone thinks you're just pumping it. Everyone's so skeptical because they've been, anyone who's been doing this for any amount of time, you're so scared of getting burned after a while because even companies with good ideas end up failing, but the companies that are scams will fail. You just might not know that they're scams. 
So now I feel like it's going to be a lot less scammy of a market. I think it's going to be a little more legitimate. It's not going to be as legit as NASDAQ or S&P or anything like that, but it's going to be, it's going to be a little better, which I think will be good. Oh yeah. I mean, the OTC, it's over the counter. It's not designed to be like NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, but like right. you said, a bit more regulation will help those who are actual companies and it'll hurt those that are fucking scams. But uh, I'm not sure if you saw in the news, this dude in California is, uh, I think just got arrested for $9 million in securities fraud for pumping stuff in the OTC. It wasn't OC millionaire. It's this new guy. I'm not sure if he had a FinTwit account or not, but- uh, I don't know how he was pumping it, probably through like trading rooms or something. Yeah, but um, in the article, it was a CNBC article, they referenced how OTC traders in particular are very susceptible to pump and dumps compared to NASDAQ and your stock exchange trade. Like it's so true. Because of the lack of regulation, obviously. Uh, the lack of regulation, also the fact that $40,000 in a stock can move the price dramatically. Whereas if you put- if you put a million dollars in Apple, you're not going to move the price that much. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing that hedge funds do, just on a smaller scale, and they don't have the money to pay for the legal fees. Is basically what it is. Yeah, they, they can't settle. They can't, <laughs> they can't, they can't settle, yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're speaking of Jester, it was kind of cool. I saw today our, we had our first 1,000-view video, which was pretty cool. I'll drink to that. Um, yeah, I mean... It's funny. We only started this a month ago and we already have a video with a thousand views and uh, like three months ago, <laughs> three months ago. Yeah. But uh, no, Jester's a really cool guy. He knows what he's talking about. Smart trader. Yeah, um, no, he's, he's the man. Um, Fintwit world, a lot of uh, a lot of love is being exchanged out there. Six guys, 4,000 followers. So he's a uh, yeah. shout out to six cents. Um, yeah, yeah a lot of positivity today on Fintwit. Um, yeah, which is really cool. They're all like, screw the screw the furus. Let's get rid of the PNDs and focus on the good traders, which is cool. Also, another big thing that happened on FinTwit is stock swing trade. Wink, wink about him. We'll see what happens. Um, and Atlin, six cents, they merged their trading rooms into one. Oh yeah, that's right on Discord. Yeah, so I think power there. Like, over 2,000 members in like the matter of like a couple days. Um, yeah, it's called cool. Lock In Trading for any of the viewers who want to join that. They have an OTC chat. They have an options room. They have a big board chat. Um, they have sector specific uh, due diligence chats, SPACs, bio, EV solar, energy, profits. Yeah, and what I like about those two guys in particular, and Six said this when we interviewed him, was like, I'll trade whatever makes me money. I think all the time you hear about people saying like, oh, I stay away from crypto or I stay away from OTC, which is fine. I respect it, but you can make money in every market. And someone like Six, you know, and other people on uh, Fintwit that we interact with, they recognize this and they're willing yeah. to buy into the different markets and not be biased to only NASDAQ or only biased to New York Stock Exchange, things like that. So yeah. it's nice to have a, now a Discord that allows conversations of all types of markets to take place right all in one yeah. you know it was funny i was telling you the other day like talking about the discord and whatnot i don't really like discord because it's there's so many rooms there's so many notifications so i have all my notifications turned off for discord 
but I was saying like, if I was a day trader, I would have discord up on my screen, like the entire time, because all of the full-time traders are constantly on discord. They're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. They're not really using Twitter. They'll tweet alerts occasionally, but when you're day trading, it's so like, it's so rapid fire, but you can't be tweeting every little thing. Cause you're going to, piss people off because you're entering an exiting position so fast and they're like oh i thought you were holding this and they end up losing money but it, yeah. it's crazy like you follow some of these big guys on discord how active they are constantly throughout the day like it you realize like this is their job you know like they're doing this oh yeah they're, you they're, know, they're, eight hours every single day like hard yeah 100%. which was kind of cool to see oh yeah no, but uh Anyways, I mean, we could uh, we could run through some tickers if you want. I don't know what else you want to talk about. Um, um, so to be honest, like I've been working a lot the past two weeks. Um, you've been busy. Well, you've been in New York uh, for what three weeks? Yeah, I was in New York for a lot. I'm back in Philly now. I'm actually nice being back with you, Luke. My separation anxiety has subsided. Um, so you don't have to lie to me. <laughs> well, I know you're gonna keep telling me to do the damn dishes, so maybe I should just go back to New York. Anyway, beside the point. Pros and cons. Um, pros and cons. Exactly. Yeah. No. There's. Uh, that's that's life. Well, let's just let's just talk about the market as a whole. Yeah. Actually, one thing I want to talk about in particular is um, not even necessarily about the stock market, but kind of uh, the central banks and uh, like the treasury and their views on um, inflation in particular. So I saw one thing that Janet Yellen was saying that they might have to stop buying a treasury or stop issuing treasury bonds because um, Congress has to approve the debt ceiling by uh, August 2nd, or else there's like the chance of we're going to default on the debt. There's not going to be a budget approved, things like that. And right. there'll be a government shutdown. So that's always like, I feel like it happens every year at this point. It's like a rodeo that we just always have to approach. And then Nothing ever happens. We get through it fine. But um, this market right now is just, regardless of what's going on, inflation high, yes. Um, the employment numbers aren't as good as we thought. But indexes are still hitting all-time highs. And if this has taught us anything, in hindsight, we should have learned from 2008, 2009, the Federal Reserve controls the stock market. Central banks run this shit. And the Fed has no signs of letting up on uh providing liquidity to the markets. So with that logic, I assume that we would be in a like rougher time period in 2021 in the stock mm -hmm. market, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> I think well, we're gonna it was going at it. Go on. Yeah, I mean, well, there was the mini start mock, oh, I can't talk, a mini crash on, was it Monday of last week? And we finished green for the week anyway. Yeah, because it was funny because man, Mando trading tweeted, he's like predicting uh, a green week or whatever, like a good market. And then everyone was shitting on him. They're like, oh, it's doing terrible. It's doing terrible. And then he quote retweeted. He's like, I told you guys to wait till the week was end or like was over. And I thought that was so funny because he ultimately proved them wrong. But yeah, I mean, I think the Dow closed up like over 200 points, closed above like 35,000. S&P closed up. I mean, everything closed up. Dow, yeah. NASDAQ. Futures are officially over 15,000, which is new. 
Um, yeah, even though everyone says that futures don't predict anything anymore. But. Yeah, you know what's so funny also? I saw this great thing. I love this new, uh, this new Twitter account I follow, uh, Gold Telegraph. I love this account. I think it's genius. Um, he had this great tweet I saw earlier today, which is so true. It basically, the tweet basically said that now central banks are trying to uh, blame wealth inequality on climate change. And he was just basically like, let's stop the BS. Wealth inequality is accelerating because of the 0% interest rate environment that we're in. I think people forget, like, especially in our generation, we're so young. But like back in the 80s, you could get 8% returns on just putting your money in a savings account. I know my parents thought about that all the time. Yeah, I I think my I remember my dad was telling me that when he worked summers like on a farm, he put his money in a saving account and he'd get like fifteen percent like returns on a saving account. Now it's like I saw someone. It was so funny. Uh, he tweeted. I don't remember who it was, but he was like, Goldman Sachs is bragging about their point five percent. Uh, uh interest yielding savings accounts and i was like isn't that so funny like 0.5 like you're literally losing money you're losing money by putting your money into the account right through inflation and that's why goldman sounds goldman sachs's marketing is like one of the highest yield savings accounts available it's just so funny to me well and that's why our friend doug in twitter um on twitter he's basically just saying how like everyone out there is searching for yield somewhere because now yield's not it's not a given anymore. I think the 10 year treasury is like under 1.5% yield. It's yeah, like, it's, shitty. it's, it's, it's honestly baffling that people are even buying bonds. I, I, I don't know. Granted, it's the Federal Reserve buying the bonds. So who, I mean, they fucked up their shit. But like a casual investor buying bonds, I don't see any logic whatsoever at a one and a half percent yield. It makes yeah, no and sense. After World War II, you buy a bond and you make bank on it. Now it's like it's a joke, but uh, yeah. So anyway, though, like if we want to talk about like this wealth inequality uh, problem that we're in in this country, I think that the central banks are totally to blame. I think that there's clearly an acceleration of wealth inequality from '08 to now, you know, and especially from like when Glass to Gaul was repealed or enact, I think it was repealed in the late 90s in the Clinton administration, where they basically allowed the commercial and investment banks like connect again and use the funds to run the investment banking operation from the commercial banks. I mean, mm-hmm. from there, the market's just been ripping and been a lot, been very volatile as well. Um, so I, I wonder how the Federal Reserve is going to respond, because I know one thing that uh, Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, is a little concerned with is the the home buying situation right now, where now the companies like BlackRock and Blackstone are actually buying single family homes and not families, they're not buying the homes. So it's creating, again, further- They're running out the homes. Yeah, think about wealth. Someone's, uh, someone's personal wealth is tied into their own home. And if they can't, yeah, granted, I think buying homes dumb if you're not gonna make capital on it, which you are. But like other people who just buy it to buy one, I think it's a little silly. But regardless, at least it's an asset that's going to appreciate for you, generally speaking. Um, but in this world, it's just like, it's not attainable right now. It's so difficult to buy a home. And now with these big players who have the ability to leverage 
the 0% liquidity that the Federal Reserve is providing with them, it's like you can't compete. And uh, basically, I think that they have to raise rates soon. And when they raise rates, that's when shit's going to go down. Yeah, I mean, Until then we're gonna it's, keep inev- it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And it's anyone's guess on when it's going to happen, you know? Because, like, interest rates now are, like, as you know, they're at an all-time low. I mean, they've been trending downwards continually because the Fed just keeps, you know, taking on these loans. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It might be a year. It might be two years. It might be three years. But Well, the thing is, though, like, think- when they raise rates, and let's just say that the market actually does crash, what's the Fed going to do? Are they more concerned about a market crash or are they more concerned about keeping inflation intact and things like that? Like, it's going to be well, – what's the main well, thing? What- with what's been happening lately, I assume they're just going to pump more money into the market, print more money. Well, in which case they'd have to go back to zero percent rates. <laughs> I think that's what we're in right now. I think we're in a, I think we're in a cycle. I think it's cyclical, and until they break that cycle and just bite the bullet and deal with the market crash and then build it back up again, we're going to be in the same the same pattern. And but here's the real problem, though. Here's the real issue that the United States has gotten themselves into. The retirement plans of just about every single American is dependent on the stock market going up. It's dependent on the stock market going up. Right. Stock market's not going up. The old people are screwed. They are, you know, their their money will not be increasing. They're now going to be depleting their sources and then they could, you know, have no money. Just like in 2008, everyone who retired in 2008 got absolutely screwed. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you have your invested, like money invested into the stock market and your standard 401k or IRA or whatever it is, and the market's down and you're retiring and you're not diversified enough to deal with the the downward trend, you're going to get screwed. So if you're young, like me and you, like it's not a concern because you can make money up over time. But you're right for the older people, like if it does crash in the next couple of years or few months for all we know they are going to be screwed but here's my main question for you okay so we we recognize two things zero percent rate environment is creating rocket stock market sending indices to all-time highs zero percent rate environment is also creating astronomical home prices that is uh, hurting people trying to buy a home because now they're priced out of the market they have to continue to rent things like that so what do you think the Federal Reserve is more concerned with? You know, what, what does the government want more? People to buy homes or for retirement plans to be protected? I think we'll find out that answer in the next 12 to 18 months. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what they decide. Yeah, we'll um, History's any indicator. It's uh, they'll protect the market, which I mean, I'm cool. Yeah, but, uh, I mean the populace probably won't be. <laughs> yeah, if you own a home, it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. It's a great thing, but again, the, the younger generation, people who don't own homes, how are they gonna? It's gonna be hard for them to get a home. It'd be a nation of renters. That's what the uh, that's what they want at the end of the day, right? They want everyone to rent. Don't own anything. Don't even own a car. There's no point in owning a car. Just take public transport, Uber everywhere. Don't own a yeah, home. Yeah, or just. Rent. But, or just lease a car but that's what i and i think a lot of other people would say it's like modern day serfdom 
you know, you exist in society, you actually don't have any assets yourself. You are certainly right. bound to these entities to provide you with things. You yourself can't provide for yourself because you're a serf, which hopefully doesn't happen. But we'll see what happens. Well, now in today's day and age too, I mean, it's, it, it's so easy to just finance anything. I mean, you can get a, you can get a loan on anything nowadays, whether it's a car, a home, as long as, long as you're making some sort of money, you can finance it. Anything, phone, computer, couch, you can finance anything. So there's no real reason, like, why have cash? You know what I mean? Unless you're, like, saving up to buy something. But even then, why not put in, like, a mutual fund or something? Because inflation is going to catch up with you. So That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. But, uh, well, like you are saying, one of our great friends, Bill, is saying cash on hand for, uh, yeah, the, the fall to buy some good Yeah, for small caps, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying it's more of a large cap summer than a small cap summer. <laughs> now, yeah, Train Chick must be so upset. I thought I thought she's gonna be right about the small cap summer, but it's it's large cap summer. It is. In what's what's what was her Twitter? What was her Twitter name again? The Trading Chick, I think. Trading Chick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so small so cap upset. summer. Yeah, I left her in the other tweets like at least it's gonna be small waste summer because no money for food. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> All right. Well, Luke, any uh, closing remarks? I feel we didn't really talk too much about individual tickers, but I feel since we weren't really interviewing anyone and I don't know, I felt like there was uh, some things I just wanted to discuss about the overall landscape of the economy and like the central bank's involvement. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of small cap tickers, we don't have high enough. I always say this, like I, I'm not going to tweet about day trade, intraday trades because I don't have high enough conviction to be telling people what to buy and sell. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing that anyways. So like, if I'm not going to be holding it for longer than a month, I don't want to talk about it. Um, one thing that I kind of did want to talk about, but we don't have to go into is just how small caps raise funds to pay for their companies. Um, Cause of a particular ticker that we are invested in. Do you want to go into that or no? Um, I guess we could. Yeah, why not? Um, so yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, go ahead. Do you want to summarize? Yeah. Well, I I feel like you know there's three ways a company can generally raise funds, right? It's either issue more shares, dilution, uh, debt. notes, which is debt, which will then lead to dilution, or someone significant within the company selling their own personal stake and providing like forgivable loans to the company in order to fund it. Um, That is again, the benefit of being on the OTC, right? Is to raise funds, you can do it at the whim. Whereas a privately held company, um, that's like a startup, if they want to raise funds, they have to find investors, pitch them, things like that. But if you're on the OTC, if you're on a public market, you can just sell shares or issue shares or even get a convertible note, which would be, you know, death sentence. You're fucking done after that. Right, which um, is like, it's why, like, anytime anyone, you know, issues convertible notes or sells shares, everyone in the OTC automatically, their first reaction is scam. Because they're like, they need money, they're selling shares, they're driving down, like, you know, price per share, and it's a scam. But 
you have to raise money somehow. And if someone is willing to sell their own shares, who's in that company to pay for the cost of that company, then I think that is the best option. If I'm going to invest into a company. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Well, I think, yeah, convertible note, I think is bad. That's never fucking good. That's like, no. A sign of weakness <laughs> in my eyes I've been, we, we have both been screwed enough times on convertible notes that mm-hmm. i will not go down that path again <laughs> that that's not good convertible notes are bad but um yeah i mean any company goes public for the concept of raising funds that's the whole reason it's going public is like a lot of work you have to maintain your status with the sec you have to pay to be on the exchange you have to provide like expensive accounting reports to show your quarterly financials and things like that. Lots of money. It's easier. Yeah. It'd be much easier to stay private, but if you're private, a lot harder to raise funds. Public, much easier to raise funds. So that those pros outweigh the cons. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, just, just listing, like if you have a stable coin, for example, on Binance costs $300,000. Like it's not cheap. It's not cheap to, yeah, no. you know, develop these companies so i think when you're looking at these otc stocks you just have to look back you one they need money the thing that they don't need money and they're on the otc is naive they need money look at how they're doing it and how they could do it and see if they're if they're taking the best option that's all i would suggest to investors in the otc i think that's a great way to put it i think that's a great way to close this episode OTC companies are young companies generally, unless they're like on the foreign exchange, like Adidas and those on the OTC, Volkswagen and shit like that. Most companies on the OTC are young companies and they're on there to raise capital, to grow the business. If they're raising it through convertible notes, that'd be a cause for concern. If they're raising it through dilution, evaluate it and then decide it's a cause for concern because it may or may not be. Because again, every company ever has diluted. It's going to happen generally. So many big board companies I lose as well. If um, a major shareholder sells share to provide forgivable loans to a company, something like that, that again, investigate it yourself and decide for yourself. If you're not doing convertible notes though, I would be generally speaking comfortable with the fundraising method. Convertible notes, right. that's like, see ya, cut that bag, donezo, peace. So um, I think that just about wraps up episode number 12 yeah no it does um two quick remarks i want to give before we go precious metals staying pretty constant despite inflation going up is gold a good hedge against inflation i don't know it's not going up it's not over 2000 yet is crypto it's going up right now i don't know i don't know we'll see is the stock market just a better hedge against inflation than gold Maybe. I don't know. Um, for all those gold bugs out there. Granted, the central banks of foreign countries are buying gold. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's uh, like Turkey, Russia, China. They're all uh, getting their hands on gold. All the, the non-friendly U.S. Com- uh, countries are getting gold. Is that a right. sign of U.S. reserve currency um, declining, perhaps? Maybe. I'm sure China does not want to deal in uh, USD, you know? I'm sure they would rather deal in, you know, uh, some sort of gold-backed currency or even the digital yuan, maybe. I, but I don't know if other countries want the yuan. 
Right. Maybe they will in a couple of years. Who knows? They're they're hedging their bet. They're hedging their bet. It's just a matter of how much they want to hedge against the dollar, which in the past has not been a good thing, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I, I guarantee you Russia and China do not want to be bound to the dollar like yeah. they are now. All right. What's point number two? Uh, it was kind of like, I guess, one of the same. Point number two is um, I think it was kind of like that. Oh, point number two was fastest growing economy right now in American history, allegedly. Yeah, we can't heat. We're, we're not hitting employment numbers consistently. Right. Why is that? Well, it could be partially because the government is paying people more to stay at home than they are to work. So because of COVID crisis. That ends in a couple of weeks. So we'll see where unemployment numbers are come the fall. And then we'll reevaluate. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that basically wraps up the episode. Excited for the OTC with the new regulations. We'll see what happens. Um, we have a lot of exciting guests coming up, like we were saying. Looking forward to having them on. Jimmy and I can only uh, provide so much value. <laughs> no information. That's uh, illegal. Not financial information. Yeah, exactly. Or but uh, yeah, this is Saturday. This will be coming out tomorrow night on the 25th of July. Jimmy, I love the hat. Looking good as always. I think I might keep it. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> well, out on the we're gonna release on Sunday, and then we're going to do like Monday or Tuesday now. Well, I think we're thinking about shifting towards Monday because people are too stressed out on Mondays. They're like, who's going to watch it Sunday night? You know, yeah, yeah, people yeah. typically watch during the week on the way to work. So it may be Monday, it might be tomorrow night, but we will update you via Twitter and Instagram at Slap the Ash Show. And thank you so much for watching. We know there's not many of you, but we appreciate every single one of you. And we are bringing on some great guests. So stay tuned. Yes. Happy trading, everyone. Happy trading.